What is going on, guys? Your host, George McKay. I'm in the building. I'm actually live, pre-recorded, on-site here at Battle Arts Academy. I'm not sitting down with Santino, but I'm sitting down with somebody just as equally epic, in my opinion. A great up-and-coming talent, his daughter, Bianca Corelli. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. No, this is this is an exciting, uh, exciting interview for me because we're going to talk about a lot of things and a lot of perspectives, kind of like we did just before we went recording. We're going to talk about a lot of perspectives that I don't think a lot of people have. And it's going to make for a really great story. I agree. So let's just let's just start right off the bat. Uh, one of the first questions I always ask anybody in an interview is, everyone has that defining moment where they fell in love with this sport that we're going to be talking about in depth today. And for me, that moment was when I saw Superfly Jimmy Snuka jump off the cage, Madison Square Garden. We all know the story. You saw that too. We all know the story. She doesn't know the story. Oh my gosh. That was Bianca's dad who just walked in. We're actually in his office right now. She got in trouble just beforehand for moving stuff around. Oh no, I didn't. Organized chaos. I can't get in any trouble. No, you can't. Your daddy's little girl. Exactly. So, like for me, that was my defining moment. I watched a bootleg tape at Christmas and I was just like, man, if this guy's going to jump off a 20-foot cage on the ground like i've there's i've got to see more of this i got to figure out what it is so for you what was your defining moment hmm well i mean i grew up around wrestling and i remember being there for my dad's first match and i was five and you know going to a few wrestlemanias and going on the road and visiting him when he was in like japan and at ovw and all of those moments like now looking back they were amazing moments and things that you know if i had thought then you know, I want to be a wrestler when I'm older, those moments would have kind of just added to that. That feeling would have been fuel for my desire to become a wrestler. But it was something that didn't really cross my mind until I was done university. And uh, so I was studying biology and I just realized like after, you know, doing a summer internship in an office and um, learning, you know, all the stuff in my biology class that it wasn't what made me happy and it's not what I loved. And it was a path for so long I thought I had to be on. And then I kind of realized, you know, I don't have to do biology and do science or have, you know, an office job just because I think I'm supposed to. And I really asked myself, what do I love? Like, what, what, what do I love? And I love theater. I love, you know, fitness. I love freedom. I love travel. And then I was like, you know, my dad and I were actually quite similar. This was a perfect job for my dad. You know, maybe I should follow in his footsteps. And, you know, I've always looked up to my dad. He's always been such a cool, like, role model. And I really just was like, you know, I, it just kind of hit me one day. I was like, I can't believe I never, I never thought of this before. Like, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's, it's right in front of me. Yeah. And it's, it's actually very obtainable. Yeah, exactly. If you, if you have the work ethic and you have the mindset, much like your dad did, like, I look at your dad's story when I interviewed him a couple weeks ago, and even though I've heard it on so many different podcasts, to actually be sitting down with somebody who I watched on TV for years. I told him before we pushed record that day, I'm like, I'm geeking out a little bit right now. Uh, I'm geeking out. I mean, you're, you're Santino Morello, dude. You're the Cobra. Oh you're all God. that stuff. And even though we heard all the stories, it was great to just be in a room with him and, and touch on those points. And he made such so many great points. And one of those points that he made was that um, to get into this business went at the age that he did. The odds were definitely not in his favor, but he persevered. Not only did he persevere, but he was able to take a great, uh, a, a kind of goofy character, but make it and make it a point where he has some of the most memorable moments 
in my opinion, in WWE history. Like one of my favorite moments, it's a record I don't think he's he's broken that nobody's broken yet was the one second WrestleMania. I wasn't ready. Yeah, like, that was a good one. We, I shared that right before his episode dropped, and it got so many hits. People like, oh man, I, I love this is this is my one of my favorite moments, and that for me, that's a, that's something special to cherish. And then when you see the guy whose moment that sticks out in your mind. I showed my daughter all this stuff before I went to interview him. And she was like, Daddy, he's so cool. I was like, I know. Oh, I'm going to be gosh. sitting down with him. And I told her, Taylor, you're going to be sitting down with you. She's like, can I come? I'm like, no, it's Aww. business. It's business. <laughs> next time. So, I mean, obviously, next question being, who are your influences? Obviously, your dad mm-hmm. was definitely a big influence. Yeah. But being a female in mm-hmm. this business, especially being around the business when your dad was in an era where females weren't taken and respected as they are now. Yeah. And for me, it's big. Like, having two daughters of my own. I love what they're doing with the women now. I mean, they just made invented WrestleMania. Yeah, that's, that's huge. Big. That that's huge. Big. So look at what they're doing. And these girls, these girls can kick ass. They can beat some of the guys down. And they can do it still looking fantastic. It's true. Whereas in the era your dad was around, a lot of the divas were, well, they were called divas first yeah. off, not superstars. Exactly. They were posing in Playboy. Mm-hmm. They were still having brawn panty matches, still having swimsuit, you know, contests, still being used as filler and eye candy. Yeah. And when they were given a spot to showcase their talents, they were given three minutes and told, you're probably going to get cut in two. So oh make it work. Right. So in, in that era, when you probably didn't have a whole lot of females to look up to, who else did you look up to as an influence for when you started to get really involved in this business? Well, the thing is, like, so when I was younger and I would go to the OVW and, you know, back then the women wrestlers were divas, I actually, I did look up to all of the women because, you know, I must have been about 12 years old and they were training just as hard as the guys. They were beautiful, athletic, and they just seemed like, like these super women. And, you know, um, I didn't really know too much when I was younger about the bra and panty matches. And now that I'm wrestling, you know, I go back and I look at all the old footage and, you know, you, you see how it's just progressed so much and how it's evolved. But at the same time, like, I don't not look up to those women because they were, you know, they were the ones who got this started. They're the ones who had those matches and maybe didn't, maybe didn't like doing those matches as much as, you know, they would have liked doing the way, like the style of how matches are now, like maybe they would have loved to main event. And, and back then it just wasn't realistic. So like, I look up to them as women that kind of set the way for us um, to have these opportunities now. But I mean, like, it's incredible the stuff that they're doing now. Like the fact that the women made evented is, is huge. They have the girls tag titles. Now it's huge. I have to say, um, I, I do look up to a lot of the women that I kind of grew up knowing. So, like, for example, Alicia Fox is one woman who has been there. As, as also, like, Maurice, uh, Rosa Mendez. They're girls that... I'm a I, big Miz guy, by the way. Oh, so you are? <laughs> I, I, I'm always in favor of his wife because I'm a big Miz dude. I was a Miz dude before anybody else was. I, yeah, Miz is a nice guy. So, like, Maurice, Alicia, Rosa, like, those are just some of the girls that I knew before my dad was hired with WWE. And they were some of the ladies that went, like, through the, the diva phase and that are still there now in this new era for women. So I totally look up to them. I totally respect them. You know, I think um, in terms of influences, I got, you have to love the Trish and, and Lita whole feud there. Like, they're awesome. And it was so cool to, to see them um, in the women's pay-per-view as well. Um, 
And then, of course, there's, like, you know, there's girls now, like, personally, myself, like, I Tessa Blanchard, I'm, I'm the same age as Tessa Blanchard. She's, I think, third generation. I'm second generation, so I think she's pretty cool, and I like to see someone my age, someone with my dream doing her thing, and she has a lot more experience, I think, at this point than I do. So, you know, I kind of, you know, I look up to anyone that's just pursuing their dream and just is able to identify the adversity and then appreciate the opportunities that they have now. And that's what I'm trying to do is just learn as much as I can and train as much as I can and figure out where I'm going to fit in this big WWE puzzle. Yeah, it, it's definitely, uh, there's there's a lot of paths and avenues you can go in it. It's not just the WWE. There's so much actually out there now. That is true. I actually had a great interview I did um, last week. The episode's dropping. Uh, well, it would have already dropped by the time this one airs. But it was with a guy named Jan Murphy. Mm-hmm. He runs, um, he, he's been writing and blogging about WWE for years. He goes out to all the events, they bring him out, he gets like the red carpet treatment because he, he just really treats WWE with just all that passion that we all have for the business. Right. And um, he uh, he touched on a great point about the fact that, like I asked him, I said, AEW, do you think there's another war brewing? Because mm-hmm. we know WWE's at their best when their backs are kind of against the wall. And he broke it down to me like this. He said, WWE doesn't have to worry about anybody anymore. The reason is they're a global entity. They're in all these markets that aren't and nobody else has tapped into. Australia, Saudi Arabia, so forth and so on. India. They're in all those markets that nobody's really gotten into yet. And they've laid the groundwork for there where there for there to be all these promotions again and wrestling to mean something all over again. Like us here, the Ontario indie scene is great. And thanks to WWE being kind of laying the groundwork. Now there's a lot of opportunities for young wrestlers as yourself to get those opportunities to decide which path you want to go. That's and true. that path might lead you to ROH. Mm-hmm. It might lead you to New Japan. It might lead you to Impact. Who knows where it would lead you? So I'm just I'm just saying that thanks to WWE, I guess, kind of doing all the groundwork, right. there's no more battles anymore. It's just a matter of finding the right fit for you and who you want to be and how you want to be represented. That's very true. There are a lot of opportunities. Like you said, there's a lot of great companies, a lot of great workers, and it's, you know, it's really nice, like the community of wrestling. It has a global thing. Everyone... Everyone loves wrestling, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm of the same way. I've been a wrestling fan since I was knee-high to a spit, five years old. And I'm 35 now, turning 36, and I look at it now and the fact that I get to share those memories with my two daughters, that's a special thing. Like, we're coming we're coming here May 12th for the Destiny event, uh, Power Slam, oh, yeah. and I'm bringing my, my nine-year-old daughter with me. She, I just told her today, she's like, oh my God, like, is, is it soon? I'm like, it's two weeks away. Let's just breathe a little bit. But I, I, I can't wait to share those moments with her and for her to see it how I saw it. Right. And when you see the reaction through the eyes of your child, that makes it super. So it's got to be definitely heartwarming for your dad to see all the reactions and, and, and how you're working. Because he's like, I, I did that. I, I worked that hard and I know she's got the same drive. But let's touch on that for a minute because this is a perspective a lot of people don't get to showcase. And it's a perspective of when your dad is a superstar and he's on the road for 300, 330, 360 days a year out of a 365 calendar year he's on the road how did you deal with that as a a child growing up when you know all the other girls could kind of have their dad there yeah monday to friday saturday sunday whenever you got your dad for a couple days here and there how did you how did you cope with that how did you get through it it was definitely harder i mean my parents divorced when i was like one year old so i kind of you know was always used to living with my mom and then seeing my dad during the week. And then I think it was when I was eight, maybe eight and a half when he moved to Japan. And that's when it got hard because he was living in a totally different country in the opposite side of the world. So we had email 
um, I actually still on my Hotmail have a folder called Daddy, and it's just filled with all of our emails back and forth. So we, you know, we talked as much as we could. I actually even remember his old cell phone number when I would call to Japan. It's 011-810-803-443-66620. Don't call that now, don't guys. Okay, it's not now. active. We don't know whose number that is. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like it was, I had to have it in my memory. I wanted to talk to my dad. And actually, he used to have these little cards too. They said he had a character when he first started, Johnny Gio Bosco. And uh, I remember giving them out to my class in grade four. Like, my dad's in Japan. He's going to be a wrestler. And, I, and, and then um, the teacher goes, excuse me, Bianca, come here. So I go over. She says, look at this card. I'm like, yeah, that's my dad. She goes, he's holding a knife in this picture. And I realized I'd given out a picture of my dad holding a knife to all the kids in my class. But, you know, it was just those little things like, you know, as far as he was, I, I believed in him. I knew he was going there for a reason. And even before he left, you know, he said to me kind of, Bianca, like, I'm going to become a wrestler. I'm going to do this. It's going to be for us. And, you know, when I was younger, I always felt, yeah, he's my dad's doing this for us. He's doing this for us. He's going to accomplish everything he wants to. And, and he did. So I'm very proud of him. But, I mean, as you get older, it's definitely hard because after the first year of like okay I've seen my dad maybe three times this year like it hurts your heart like you miss your dad um Christmases, birthdays probably missed birthdays plays dance recitals and it did kind of get to the point in grade eight where like I was so bummed out that like my dad couldn't be at some of my performances that I actually wouldn't tell anybody when I was in a performance because I'd rather there be nobody there for me than not my dad. So like I started, I just have to do like my school plays and secretly, basically. And people would be like, oh, were your parents? And I'd, oh, I don't know. I just kind of would brush it off. It it did bother me uh, for a long time. But then I mean, once I hit 12, 13, then you start wanting to hang out with your friends. So yeah, dad was on the road. But then it was like, okay, well, I was just going to go to my friends house after school anyways. So it's like those times where we, we would have spent together um, had we lived together and had he been in the country, um, I spent with friends, like socializing. So it, it wasn't as bad. Um, but of course, like I'm a very big hearted person. And so it, it was, it was hard for a while. You know, you see other kids with their, their moms and their dads, um, coming to like the events and I would have maybe my mom and stepdad there, but you know, of course I want my dad to be there too. Or, um, you know, being a child of divorced parents, it was all I'd ever known. But then you sometimes you see someone whose parents are together. And you're like, I wonder what that would be like to have your parents together and be home when you come home from school. Like, and it was something that never really upset me till I got older and kind of realized like, hey, maybe I maybe I missed out a little bit. But you know, you just kind of learn from those experiences. So I know that um, if I were to have uh, a kid and if I was a wrestler I probably would retire and stay home because I don't want to have a kid and, and be on the road and I if I like you know what I mean I just wouldn't want to have that sort of feeling that I wouldn't my I wouldn't want my kid to feel how I felt mm. because it wasn't easy um I actually kind of like, I loved visiting my dad and going to Japan and, you know, going to the WrestleManias and stuff. Like, that was kind of the perk. Like, you trade your dad for a little bit, but, hey, you get to have these really cool experiences. So, like, you know, would I 
have my dad over these experiences? Yes, but at least there were those experiences. And, um, oh man, I think I just, uh, I lost where I was going with that. No, um, you were, you were basically saying that because, you know, you, you didn't have your dad there, so you missed out on a lot, but there was a little bit of a trade-off in the experiences you got to have. Yeah. You probably got to go to multiple WrestleManias where I myself have never been to one. Fair enough. So, I mean, that's, yeah, don't get me wrong. That's cool. But I get it. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of times where, um, you know, I've got to work late and I, I know it's not the same thing cause I'm in the same zip code. But if I miss out on, on putting my girls to bed, it hurts. Yeah. It hurts even for a split second because you know what? They're, my one daughter's nine. It's not far off from 12, 13 where she's not going to want to spend time with me. Right. So I got to get those moments in while I can. That's true. And I know I we talked about it on his end too. And I know it weighed on him a lot too that he didn't have his daughter there. Yeah. And also one thing I asked him, I said, you know, when he when he mentioned, you know, and, he, and, and I already knew that you were training and stuff like that. And he, I said, when you talk to her about, you know, getting in this business. Did you tell her that, you know, like focus on all that first, forget relationships, forget mm -hmm. family, because if you do get up to that point, you're not going to have time for relationships, time for family, but also too, you might meet someone and you might want to have a family and then there may be an opportunity to have a kid. Yeah. And at that point, that's going to be a crossroads because for you, that's going to be like, you got to work, you got to work even harder to get there. But once you get there, you don't want to throw it away. Exactly. And then, you know, life is not an open and closed book. Life moves very all over the place. <laughs> it does. You could be looking, it could come and smack you right in the face you least expect it. So it's one of those things that I guess when those happen, those are going to be those crossroad moments where you're going to, it's like that that Green Day song, right? Fork in a road. You got to decide which way you're going to go. It's true. I actually remember what I was going to say when I when I got lost for a second. Perfect. It was that um, for a long time, even when my dad was uh, Santino, like from 2006 onwards, and I did miss him. I didn't really want to watch him on TV. Um, I was bitter. I was a bitter little girl. And I felt like, you know, why do I want to watch WWE? Like, my dad's there. He's not here. And, you know, me being so understanding when I was younger saying, my dad's doing this for us. And then it's like, hey, wait a second. Like, when are you coming back? And it just, like, he didn't really come back. I mean, I think he retired, what was it, like, four years ago, maybe a little less, maybe three years ago. And so now I would have been 20. So if he left when I was eight and now I'm 20, it's kind of like, hey, dad, you, know, like you kind of miss a lot of me growing up. But like, honestly, he's still one of the biggest influences in my life. I looked up, like I look up to him so much. Um, we have such similar personalities. My dad's one of my best friends. I can tell him anything. Like I, I love my dad to the moon and back. But like I said, I, I was really you know, just bitter for a long time. And I think that's why I never thought about being a wrestler. Cause I, it just, it never dawned on me like, Hey, this might be the perfect job for you. Cause I was kind of like, boo, wrestling took my dad, you know? Yeah. But then once I had that moment in university where I was like, you know, I'm not a court, I'm not really an office person. I'm not a corporate person. And then I thought about it. Um, like, why don't I take something that, hurt me like for a long time and turn it into something that's positive something to empower myself with and that's what I'm doing right now is, is when I'm training and when I'm wrestling I'm putting everything I can into this so I can turn something that made me sad for a long time into something that's going to help build me up and help give me a platform to make a difference and that's ultimately all I want to do is try to make a difference in this world a positive impact.
where I can. And, and that's an amazing outlook to have. So <clears throat> we get through all that. You've got this epiphany now where, you know what? I love all these things that kind of wrestling has in its own little bubble. I love theater. Mm -hmm. I love fitness. I love traveling. That's pretty much the WWE resume. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. really is. So you, you have this epiphany. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm taking the jump. Yeah. So when did you start training? And who did you start training with? Was it your dad right away? Or did you kind of think, you know what? I don't want to mix, you know, business and family. So I'm going to outsource to somebody else. So talk to me about that. So at the time, so I was going to Western University, which was in London, Ontario. So I was out in London and... Um, yes, we have a London, Ontario and Canada here, guys. I got a lot of American listeners. Oh. So every time I mention this city, I got to clarify things. One wrestler was talking to me about Milton. I had to clarify Milton for about two minutes on oh. air. I'm like, okay, so Milton is in between Toronto and... Um, Burlington. I actually lived in Milton for a little bit. Great town. I like Milton. Great I town. Do. Clean town. Very clean. Yes. And the escarpment is just beautiful. It is. It is. If you ever get a chance, if you're ever down there, check it out. It's worth it. So, sorry. Anyways, Western University, London. Yeah. So, I was out in London and um, Tyson Dukes actually just opened up his wrestling school. So, my dad was like, you know, why don't you go try out Tyson Dukes school? Um, learn as much as you can before school's up and you come back home. So I actually started out there with Tyson Dukes at the Wrestling Factory. It was really cool um, just because, like, I didn't really know anything about how to wrestle. You were green. You were completely green. Completely. 100%. Oh, and here's the cool thing, too, actually. So um, before I actually decided, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to join Tyson Dukes wrestling class, I had a dream, like, four months before I said, you know what, I think I'm going to try wrestling. And in this dream... I was... You were holding the WWE title. I wish. <laughs> that, would, that would be a cool one. Uh, I was walking down this hallway, and um, I saw this this room with a ring in it. And it was weird, because it was like, a, like an arena-type hallway, and the room had like this, this ring, and there was these people in there, and it was like just a weird dream that I didn't even remember the dream until I walked in to Tyson Duke's school at the time for the first time and I was like oh my god this is the place from my dream I had four months ago I'm not even kidding you it was the the weirdest thing you know what I mean those deja vu moments uh-huh like absolutely like you've been there before but you haven't yeah it was like I'd been there in a dream before I decided to start wrestling so I felt like you know this is meant to be I'm supposed to be here he was a great, like, great coach. I'd love to go back and do some classes there, just pop in here and there, but my schedule's been super busy, but... I actually hit him up. I'm going to be getting together with him for an interview soon, oh, too, yeah. so I will pass on the message. Tell him I say hi, for sure. Um, and I met, like, some great, great wrestlers. Like, everyone in my class was so helpful, so friendly, and they're all doing really well now, which is really nice. So I was there for maybe two, three months, and then I decided to come home, um... And then I joined the class here. And at first, like you said, like family and business, like mixing them is kind of... Because you know he's going to single you out. Mm -hmm. You know he's going to use you as examples. And you know he's going to be the hardest on you. Yeah. Well, he's he's managed to be pretty cool. Um, you said that kind of half... 100%. You're like, yeah, he's cool someday. Well, like, <laughs> he treats everyone the same. He really okay. does. I And so, like, if I'm... 
you know, maybe not listening or if I had my I had my phone out once and he totally yelled at me. Like, you know, it's kind of embarrassing when your dad yells at you in front of everyone. But at the same time, I think uh, he would have yelled at anyone for being on their phone. Maybe not, actually. If I was on my phone and I was in the class, he probably wouldn't yell at me. Yeah, you're right. But I wouldn't be in the class because <laughs> I, I don't, I, as much as I love it, I don't, I don't envy you guys for all the work you guys put in and all this stuff you have to do. So tell me about, tell me about the first class, first day, first bump. Oh, Because everybody's gosh. first bump, like I've talked to a few of the indie guys. I've talked to guys like Lionel <laughs> Knight, who's been doing it for 15 years. Justin Sane just had a great interview with him. It's actually dropping uh, this week on the episode. Talk to Holden Albright, Alexia Nicole. Oh, yeah. And I always ask, I'm like, tell me about the first bump. And everybody said, all all four of them, pretty much, and even Josh Alexander, they all said, you know, once I took that first bump, I, I was like, I knew that this this was it. <laughs> but, but I do remember one of them. I can't remember which one of them said. One of them said, I took that first bump, and I sat there for about a minute, and was like, oh, my God, I don't know if this was 100% the right idea, but now I'm signed up for a month, so i got to stick with it. So tell me about first day, first class, first bump. Okay, so um, my first actual, like the one first single bump, I actually don't remember taking, but what I, I must have taken on my first day, holy, oh my God, maybe 30 bumps. I could be wrong with that number. But what I do remember about my first bump experience is that for three days, I was on my couch my neck oh my gosh I my neck I couldn't move my head Tyson Dukes had us do so many push-ups and I hadn't worked out in a very long time I think oh my gosh we must have done I swear it felt like thousands of push-ups probably wasn't anywhere close to several thousand my arms and my neck for like a week were so sore I couldn't even put a shirt on without going ow 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 but you know what that didn't stop me and it did get easier it was just I think like my body getting used to bumping. Um, now it's 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 funny when, when new people come in and you're like, you watch them doing their first bumps. You're like, I'm not jealous of you because you know they're going to go home and they're going to be sore. <laughs> very, very sore. But. So what, everyone, every wrestler has a style. Mm -hmm. You look at some of the greats. You got a guy like Triple H who can dissect you, pick apart your body in 20 different ways and figure out the points he wants to hit. You look at a guy like Randy Orton, plays the mind games, and then he can go in, maybe get his butt kicked for 10, 15 minutes of the match, and then boom, RKO to know where he drops it. You look at a guy like the Big Show, really can't take a whole lot of damage unless he's knocked on his knees, mm -hmm. but can dish out a whole lot of damage. The Undertaker can pick up a dude by his neck and Man. drop him on his butt. So... Look at all these things, and you're sitting there. Once now you've got the you've got the conditioning up to speed. You've taken the bumps. Your body's used to it now. You're comfortable. You've got to start breaking down which avenue you want to go. Mm -hmm. So you've got your standard. I guess you want to say your standard couples. You've got your ground and pounder. You've got your ring technicians. You've got your high flyers. Those would be the basic three. And then from there, you can branch off into other things. Where would you say, like, I mean, mm. I'm sure after a couple weeks, Tyson probably came to you and said, okay, we've got to start developing what route we want to go, what route you want to go, and how you want to establish your move set in the ring. So for you, what was, are you a high flyer? Are you a, a ground and pounder? Are you a ring technician? Are you straight, you know, get them on the ground, submission, chain wrestling, slow moving? Are you that kind of stuff? Like, where, where do you fit in the mold? 
Well, that's not actually something that we really uh, worked on at Tyson's school, just because I was still learning the basics then. And even here, like we we learn a lot of different moves. And um, my dad encourages us to kind of cross train because we have boxing here, jujitsu, judo, Muay Thai. So, you know, he wants us to get, you know, those types like that type of experience as well. So we can kind of mix that into our wrestling style. So like in terms of my own style, I'm still kind of figuring it out. I'm figuring out, you know, what I like to do, what I'm good at. Um, I do really like things like jujitsu, judo, um, catch wrestling. Like I, I like chain wrestling, the submissions, all that stuff. I feel like my ground game's pretty good. Um, I also did a lot of boxing. So uh, I really like, you know, powerful strikes. Um, I'm trying to work on my kicks as well. I have very long limbs. I have very long legs and very long arms. And my torso is not that big. So, I mean, I feel like I have to work on my kicks. I definitely do. But my style is is still coming together. In terms of what I like watching, I really like Asuka's style. Mm. I I think she's great. You like those fast, quick, strong strikes. So you're a strong style girl. Maybe you're a strong style. You want to you want to get in there and mix it up, but you also want to speed wise. Are you are you you're pretty speedy? I would assume in the ring, like you can move around pretty quick. Yeah, I'd rather. However, like I'd rather give one big, hard, impactful like punch and then stare down at him and be like, "This is my house. Stay there. Yeah, stay there until I decide I'm going to pick you up." Exactly. <laughs> I feel like when I'm a very happy person, I laugh a lot. But when I, I, I was going to say, I couldn't see you if when you do develop your character, you can't be a heel. You smile too much. I, but you'd be surprised how fast that smile can, can you, goes. Can you? Re- so okay, let's, <laughs> let's let's pump the brakes on the style questions for a second. Are you? Because a lot of a lot of wrestlers love playing the the dark characters, right. like playing the bad guy. Yeah. Who doesn't love to play the bad guy? It's true. But you always have to remember, most of the time, the bad guy loses. This is true. Most of the time, the bad guy loses because the good guy in the end always has to triumph. This is wrestling 101. Mm-hmm. The good guy always has to triumph. The bad guy could back him into a corner, but the good guy will always find that way. Yeah. You know, he'll hulk up. He'll he'll hit the Shawn Michaels showstopper move. He'll do any of that stuff. So when you're, when you're in the ring and you're telling the stories that you are in the matches, do you find yourself being drawn more towards the heel or do you, do you like kind of getting backed into a corner and finding that extra notch to turn turn it up and, and really get really get going? Well, it's, it's kind of hard to say because, you know, I do like, you know, coming out there, people are cheering you on and I, I like that. I like, you know, being victorious, obviously, but I have to say in my core, I really like getting booed and I really like, you know, making the audience react to like a a vicious shot or a cheap move. Like I like the low blow when the refs turn, maybe the the elbow forearm to the face, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I like to be a little bit mean and maybe it's because I am such a happy person. I always, you know, have a smile on my face that when I get that chance to kind of let out that, that anger and let out that, that scariness, that intimidation and I'll totally do it. I, I enjoy you'll take, it. You'll take the opportunity. I will. So, like, you know, like I said, there's, I like things about both. Um, and my own personality, like, there are days where I'm very happy and, you know, I'll do a nice deed for someone and for, like, expecting nothing back. And then there's days where I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm just kind of in my own bubble and I might be a little bit grumpy. So, 
you know, the, if you're amplifying. And those are the days when you haven't had your coffee yet. Exactly. <laughs> or my coffee was made wrong. Oh. <laughs> no, I drink my coffee black anyways. So, they so they really, you can't really scrub black coffee. You can't. Unless they give it to you. Sometimes they give you the bottom of the barrel the, in the in the, With the, you know, the craft and you know it's... Ugh. Yeah. You know, make me a fresh pot at least. God. Put yeah. Some, put some, you know, put some effort into it. So I got to go to Starbucks. There you go. Yes. <laughs> we talked about that before the show too. So um, in terms of your first... like, So how long have you been training for currently now? Well, I started last year, I think, beginning of April or end of April. So it's been about a, a year. year. Yeah, it's been about a year now. Okay, so have you have you had your first match? Because I know mm-hmm. Battle Arts does, they have their own, you know, put on their own shows and stuff like that. Your dad was actually mentioning to me that they're working on actual scripting and storylines and stuff. So if I can catch his ear today... I wouldn't mind. I've got a whole bunch of storyline ideas running around in this crazy head of mine. Ooh. So I wouldn't I wouldn't mind actually pounding down pounding with you two after the show if we could. But mm-hmm. um in terms of your first match, mm-hmm. being out there in front of a crowd, nerve wracking, walk out, dad's there, he's mm-hmm. watching because he's gotta take notes and show you guys what tape probably the next class, show what you did great, what you didn't do great, what you definitely need to work on, mm-hmm. what you absolutely stunk at, because everybody makes mistakes. This is true. First match. Talk me through it. Tell me about your your feelings, oh your gosh. emotions going into it. Let me set the scene. Can I set the scene for yes. you? Yes. All right. So the other match is almost done. Oh, my gosh. You're coming up to the curtain. You know your music's going to hit. It's your time. You're going to walk out in that curtain. Oh. You're probably, you're getting loose, maybe shaking it off. You know, trying not to throw up. Pretty much. Trying not, you got butterflies, <laughs> pit of your stomach. You're like, oh, my God. Okay, it's going to happen. Other match, one, two, three, boom, winner, hands raised. They roll out of the ring, they leave. It's kind of like that buzz in the audience. They're oh. like, all right, who's coming out next? Bam. The music hits. Curtain pulls back. Tell me about that first moment walking out in front of that first crowd. Oh, man. That was a great picture you painted. And, yeah, I, I can still feel it in my stomach. It was definitely butterflies. Um, definitely a little bit nauseous. Tried not to eat too much. So I <laughs> didn't get sick. But luckily for me, my first match was a tag team match. So I wasn't walking out there by myself. I was walking out there um, with one of our girls here, Nessa Love, I believe it was. And so it was kind of a little more comforting not being out there by myself. But still, it was nerve-wracking because I'd only been wrestling for two months. Yeah, and my dad just kind of said to me, you know, I want you to come down to Mississauga because I was still in London at the time, and I want you to have a match. And I remember saying to Tyson, like, do you think I can do this? I'm like, I've only been practicing for two months. I, I don't know if I'm ready. He goes, hey, trust your dad. If your dad says you're ready and he wants to have a match, do it. And I said, all right, I guess I'm going to do it. So um, so I went out there and I was I was so nervous. And, you know, we got through the match. Um, well, we, I, I got to win, uh, which was great. I won my first match, which was uh very exciting. And you know what? I even wrestled my first match. Now, this is cool. In um, a tank top that I had gotten for free at my dad's first wrestling match. Wow. Yeah. That's a little, that's a little like nostalgia right there. Yeah. That's a moment within a moment. It you was. Really get those two off. <laughs> wow. It was cool. And you know what? It's crazy because I had that tank top from the time I was five. To like, you know, I still have it. And it's just it's such a funny item to hang on to. It's just been in my drawers for all these years. And yeah, I, I told my dad, I'm like, you see this tank top? He goes, yeah. I'm like, you know, I got this at your first match ever in Orangeville. He goes, no way. I'm like, yep. And I'm wearing it for my first match. So it was cool to get that little tribute moment. But yeah, I was pretty nervous 
Um, and especially at the time we had uh, Toy, Mr. Yuki Shikawa here. He was one of our main trainers. Um, he's in Japan now, but, you know, I really respect him and look up to him as a coach. He's so knowledgeable in, you know, so many different aspects of, you know, like not just wrestling, but like MMA too. Like he's a great fighter. And um, I remember I was so happy when I came back behind the curtain, he looked at me and he started laughing and I'm like, oh my gosh, because before I went out, he goes, Bianca, like no matter what, just don't freeze. Don't run out of the ring. He's like, if you um, just like you can get through this. Uh, How long was the first match? Probably what? Seven minutes? Something Maybe. like that. But it probably felt like an hour. It probably sat you, you, you sat out there and you're probably like, man, I love it. But at the same time, I'm, I just I want I want it to be done because I want to I want to go back. I want to figure out everything I did wrong and I want to learn from it. Mm-hmm. Right? It you want to soak it in. But it, does it does it when you're in the ring and you're in your wrestling? Does it fly by like that, or does it really, really just? Does it does it pace itself so well that you don't even know how long it is before it's over? I must say, probably because I'm still a little new, like the it's crazy because it's like it's slow motion, but it's also going so fast. So it's like while you're in there, it's like, oh my gosh, like everything everything that happens, your your brain is processing. But I you must be processing things at such an incredible speed for it to seem slow. But then when when it's done, you realize, oh, I felt like I was out there for 10 minutes. What do you mean I was only out there for like five minutes? You, you know what I mean? So like time is just completely warped. There is no time when you're out there. There isn't. There's no clock. No. It's just the bell rings and you got to, somebody's got to, somebody's got to pin somebody for the bell to not ring anymore. Exactly. You know what I mean? So. Oh, I, I was actually going to say about the, the guy. Yes. Yuki sorry. Shikawa. Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, uh, so yeah, he told me. If you don't don't freeze. You got this. You can do this. And when I came out from behind the curtain after my first match, he looked at me and he goes, "You're a genius." <laughs> and I was like, "Really? Okay, <laughs> okay. I'm a genius." Obviously, I I don't think I'm any wrestling genius, but I was like, I look up to this guy. He didn't tell me I messed anything up, and he didn't hit me in the head. So I am very happy. If about he's this. giving you the stamp of approval. You did something right. I was I was happy. I wish he was still here because. You know, I'd love for him to see me wrestle now, but I try to send him some videos here and there and get that feedback and everything. That's awesome when you can still have those connections and you can make those connections. Mm. So let's talk for a second. Bianca Corelli becomes the biggest thing on the Canadian indie scene. She's blown up. I'm talking, you know, down the line. And she gets a phone call from WWE. It's a phone call from AEW. She gets a phone call from Impact, ROH, New Japan. Mm Mm-hmm. All five contracts arrived to the house the same day. Uh oh. <laughs> if you had to, hypothetical only, which road would you go down? If you had your pick of of all of these organizations, and these are, I, I, again, I'm mentioning the, the top tier ones, uh, even though AEW is not really top tier because we haven't seen what they can do yet, but they're still, you still got to mention them in the conversation. Right. You had an opportunity to go and, and mind you, take the talent into account. Who do you want to mm-hmm. wrestle with the most? Because everyone's got their cream of the crop. And everyone's got those, like you said, you got Tessa Blanchard over there in Impact doing her thing. You've got the ladies in ROH. you got Asuka WWE. I know you already mentioned her. If you could tangle with Asuka, you'd probably oh, be like, yeah. oh my God, yes. That'd be crazy. But then you can't forget about the ladies in New Japan and what they're doing and also who AEW has signed. they got mm-hmm. some pretty strong women in that division as well. So take talent into account. Where would you go if you had your pick? 
I mean, like you said, all those companies are great and they all have, you know, things about each of them that make them unique and make them special. Um, For myself, the goal kind of is WWE, just because I really, like I said, I want to follow my dad's footsteps and and he was there. So I kind of want to be where he was. Um, I also know what it's like already, which is comforting for me um, to know exactly what it's like being on the road with WWE. So it's not such a big like jump you know I I just I feel a little more comfortable um but like I wouldn't not work for any other companies like Ring of Honor is amazing Impact's great I've done a couple things with Impact and and I I really like their production and there's like I feel like staff is the wrong word they're staff I like I like everyone who works for the company their crew their crew that's the right word yeah the whole Impact crew is awesome super nice um AEW, that that'll be cool to see what it's coming what around they the corner, May twenty fifth, double double or nothing. It's coming. I'm excited. I know the the first pay per view, like before it was officially AEW, that that was that was really well done. It was really cool. I mean, you you never know. That might be a cool company to work for, and it sounds like they have some really nice, um, just things that make them a little different for WWE that they're coming out with, like just some different policies or kind of. Uh, that's the word I'm looking for. Freedoms. Yeah. There is there is some say in the business, and I've tried to do what research I could, but again, they're not going to release all their, their secrets, right? Right. So you got to find, and again, you have to take what you get on the internet for a grain of salt. We all know the internet lies. <laughs> the internet lies. But, I mean, look at the contracts, and there is freedom to still perform in New Japan, but also be an AEW employee. There's freedoms to go ROH. There's freedoms to go and pursue whatever you choose to pursue, but whenever AEW calls, you must answer said call right whereas with wwe unless you get legend status like a jericho like a Shawn michaels when you can take seven months off or like the undertaker wrestle once a year mm-hmm. which I, I i respect him but should have stopped wrestling about six years ago in my honest opinion i think he he needs some time to heal 100 percent from all what he put his body through right and i mean that's a that's the thing you got to look at too right like that that kind of leads to my next question i'm so good at my segues right? <laughs> yeah you're fantastic <laughs> the, um, the next question is i mean when you step in the ring the yes. first time it really much is like being born first breath the clock starts ticking and you don't know your shelf life you don't know how long you have to go and on the upside, sure. you're starting a decade earlier than your dad did. Yeah. So you're already 10 years his junior when he started, which yeah. is great, right? You've got more time to soak up and gain the knowledge and learn it. And I, I see that about you. I see that about you. And I one thing I, I, I notice about you is that you're very easy with the words. They come natural, much like yeah. me. I'm a wordsmith. Words come easy to me. There's no script here in front of us, guys. This is all organic. So... Wordsmith comes, so that kind of leads to my next question. You know that the clock is, you, you've only got a tight timetable of really mm-hmm. what you can do, but if you have the longevity, you could wrestle 20, 30 years. Yeah. But also, there's other avenues you want to pursue family, possibility. I mean, you you just became a big sister again, right? Yeah, I did, which is crazy. Right? But he's, oh, he's the cutest <laughs> he's kid in the adorable. world. Those jump videos your dad's post on his Instagram, I think they're hilarious. They and are. I sit there and I watch him and I'm like, I'm exhausted. And it's only like a minute long video, but just watching this kid go. He really doesn't doesn't stop. No, I, I can see that. <laughs> he he's, doesn't. Well, he's got all the best points of your stepmom. Yeah. But he's got a lot of your dad. Like, yeah. I, I see when your dad holds him, I'm like, it's like little Santino, but just with Aww. a lot more hair. <laughs> yeah. A lot more hair. But he's, no, he's adorable. God bless your dad and, and, and yourself and the family and everything. But... You, I mean, that's that's a possibility for you down the line, right? And also, you're Italian. 
Yeah. So that's kind of like family. By family is everything. It is. So in, in learning about the clock and, and learning about the time and longevity, soaking up as much as you have in the year that you're doing it, but still having so much more to learn. What is the next step for Bianca Corelli? What now that you've learned the basics, mm -hmm. you've got it down, you've had your first match, you've gotten over the butterflies. Right. What's the next step for you? Are you just trying to get stronger, trying to tighten up on moves? And is there a particular move that you're working on that you haven't hit yet, but you're trying? Ooh, I like that question. Perfect. Um, so right now the game plan is to get as much experience as I can because there's nothing quite like learning by doing, right? So the more matches I can get, um, the better. And that's kind of, you know, what I'm working on right now is just getting some little bookings here and there, having my matches, um, looking at my tape, reviewing what I do well, what I don't do well, and trying to improve, obviously. And then, of course, with my training, um, I, I train quite hard. I do my, like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, hour cardio sessions, then weightlifting, and then we do, you know, class here, and then I'm, you know, trying to get back into jujitsu. I did boxing for a while. I do judo as well. So, um, so don't meet you in a dark alley. No. <laughs> no, no. Stay away other side of the building. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I, I'd like to think I could be a force to reckon with, but I haven't really put, you know, that the dark alley thing to the test <laughs> nor do i think i will let's not do that that's on record and uh, if something happens your dad's gonna be like who told you that oh, my oh it was the guy from straight chalk let me go snap his leg <laughs> just a short drive away yeah, yeah. <laughs> in brampton uh -oh. <laughs> oh now he knows where to find you <laughs> um but yeah so i'm always you know looking at videos of, of matches the people you know that uh, i like their their styles like i watch a lot of the old stuff too like from the early 2000s, 2010s, I look a lot at a lot of the women's matches, also the men's matches, um, and just kind of study their move sets. I see what I like, what might suit my personality, my body type, um, my style, because I'm just figuring all that out. But uh, as much as I'm not really a high flyer, I do love the ropes. I love the ropes. I would love to get like a like a moon salt like like that would be cool i have a decent frog splash right now i like going off the top rope i do but um that would definitely be something that i want to work on um just really cool like high flyer moves would be sweet but they are they are dangerous so you got to be shorten, careful they, they do shorten that, the, that clock we talked about right they do they take they take minutes off i mean look at look at a guy like jeff hardy Right? Enough said. We're talking, oh. this guy dove off of second tier balconies, went off of 25 foot ladders. You know, it's, it's, it's not, you got to be a different breed when you climb those ropes. Yeah. You have to be confident. And that's the thing. Like if you're going to do a move and you don't know if you're going to land it, you're probably not going to land it. You don't, have to believe yeah. that you, you got, are. You got to, you got to believe that you're going to go out there every time and you're going to execute the game plan a hundred percent, tell the story you want to tell and walk out knowing and walk out. That's the most walk important. And walk out. out. Yeah. Knowing that you and the person you stared across the ring, your dance partner, knowing that you two achieved exactly what you wanted, what story you wanted to tell. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And I guess, like, since I've only been wrestling for a year, there's a lot of learning still I have to do and a lot of, like, smoothing out of the bumps or however you want to say it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm willing to try different moves out, you know, explore different styles 
and uh, see what I can take from my classes like jiu-jitsu, boxing, judo, and how I can maybe take some moves from there and put them in the ring. Like like right now, I, I really like using this um, this judo throw my dad taught me in, in my matches. Um, it's, it's a really great move. Um, it looks nice if no one's, if, like, you know, taken that judo throw before. It's, it's not too hard to get them over with it. So, um, yeah, I'm always looking for new ideas and trying new things. Nice. So I see the drive. I see the passion. I'm all about it. I'm getting This has been a great interview. It really has. It's been a lot of fun to talk to you. But one question I, I got to ask because it's, bur it's burning a hole in my, uh, in my pocket. I got to okay. get it out. I got to get it out. Dun, dun, dun. Dream match. Ooh. Past, present, Ooh. or possible futures? Could you see what's out there? And no, nothing's off limits. We're talking all active rosters. We're talking indie rosters, and maybe some of some of my fans here may not know about, but no off limits. One wrestler, mm -hmm. one type of match. Okay. So it doesn't have to be a straight wrestling match. We can go Ooh. hell in the cell. We can go. Well, we can't go live in H Tabor because then you got to give me five people. So let's go one on one <laughs> matches. Okay. We can go steel cage, hell in the cell, false count anywhere. Uh, any style, or we can even just go classic one-on-one, -on -one, you know, pinfall or submission match, but dream match. Who would Bianca Corelli love to stare across the ring if she had the opportunity? Wow. That is such a good question because there's so many amazing female wrestlers from the past, from like, you know, currently, and just so many I know on the indie scene that, you know, have so much potential to be so, so big in the future. So that's a great question, but you know, I have to say, when you said dream match, you know, I'm I'm a hippie with my dreams. I actually had a dream a couple months ago, which was weird, that I was wrestling at Impact. Um, it was honest, it was Cable well, in my dream. Scott was there, uh, Gail Kim was there. You know, Scott Moore and mm -hmm. Gail Kim, and um, they were like, okay, Bianca, like. We're going to film this match. There's no audience, but it's going to go on our live show. And in this dream, I was wrestling with um, Tessa Blanchard. And I know I already mentioned her before, but, like, I think we're the same age. We're both, you know, generational wrestlers. And I really like that presence she has in the ring, her intimidation factor, her, like, just her stature is very like dominating like she wants to win and I'm the same kind of person when I get in that ring like if I feel like someone's trying to give me that energy if they're gonna beat me I exude that energy back 10 times more like I, I love competition and I feel like she also loves competition so when you get two competitors two alpha females neither one of them want to lose neither one of them want to back down that I feel like is where the magic in the ring happens I feel like it, you know, if I had more experience, which I will down the road, I feel like her and I could have like a really great match, maybe even like a rivalry just because I can identify her drive and it's very similar to my own. And, you know, competition really brings out the best in people, sometimes the worst too, but also the best. And I, I really um, admire her as a young female wrestler. I think that'd be a really cool match. I actually do too. But now is there a stipulation match? Just classic one-on-one -on -one pinfall or submission? Classic one-on-one. -on -one. So classic one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. How about we up the ante? Okay. Classic one-on-one 60-minute -on -one, Iron Woman match. Who would I pick for that? No, I'm saying you and... You and Tessa Blanchard yeah. in a one-on-one, -on -one, 60 minute Whoa. Iron Woman match. That would be pretty sweet. That, that's yeah. we're, we're talking endurance. That would be cool. We're talking, you know, 
getting that sometimes getting the dirty pin if you can and if it's opportunity suits you get in the dirty pin yeah now uh last my my last question uh, i think this is a perfect way to end it mm-hmm. um and also, I want to let you know that you are now officially a member of the Straight Talk family. Yes. Anytime you want to get together with me again, I'd love to have you on the oh, show. Thank you so much. We'll, 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 maybe we'll do it again in a year, six months from now. I'd love to have you. I think you, you got a lot of spunk to you, kid. Thank and you. And I say that like I'm a 55-year-old, <laughs> like over-the-hill guy. But oh. in terms of, because I said, you're a wordsmith. I could see it. Promos. Yes. Because obviously, you know, when you're in wrestling schools, you learn every bit of the business. How are you? Promo-wise. Oh, man. I love the mic. I love the stage. I've been in several plays. And uh, like you said, I like to think I might be a spunky wordsmith. <laughs> so I'm. it's actually funny. My first promo, uh, I actually cut an OBW when I was 12 years old. Um, my dad's class, they were practicing promos. And uh, they asked me, do you want to go do a promo? So I got up there. There's actually a video of it somewhere online, I think. But I cut a promo on the OVW uh, divas at the time. And uh, apparently, I remember my dad saying this. Um, at the time, Alicia Fox, she was still really new. She was having apparently a little bit of trouble with her promo. And apparently, I cut my promo. And she goes, what the heck, Anthony? Your daughter was better than me. <laughs> and I was 12. So it, it's pretty funny. Um I think my strong suit, like my strong point right now as a wrestler is my promos, um, whether it should really be my wrestling. But I mean, like, that's definitely one one of my strengths. And I just want to kind of get everything up to par with with that strength. So that's why I'm in the gym. That's why I'm doing my wrestling classes. And I just hope that I can just develop into, you know, somebody that's considered kind of the total package. And I just hope I can live up to my dad's standard because he was he was so great. He still is great. He's such a, a funny guy, and I just want to make my family proud, you know. And actually, you know, there's another question that popped in my head because there's a lot of a lot of changing of the guard in wrestling as it is now. It's not just women fighting women anymore. Mm-hmm. It's women fighting men. Yeah. Especially in the indie scene, there is not a whole lot of females in the indie scene that are at the stature of some of the other females. So once you've wrestled one lady three or four times. You want to move on. What's your stance? Because it's becoming more popular as we see. Mm-hmm. What's your stance on the intergender wrestling? What's your stance on the girls and the guys mixing it up in the ring? Are you pro or are you con? Hmm. Um, kind of a tricky question because personally, I'd rather wrestle females. It's a contest. Um, you know, any sport contest, it's really females versus females, males versus males. Um, I don't think there's any other sport where, like, with boxing, you don't have a male boxer fighting a female boxer. No, and you don't have the ladies in the UFC mixing it up with the guys in the UFC. But in wrestling, I guess because, again, a lot of people, as much as it is scripted and it is storytelling and it is just a soap opera in general, it really is, a lot of people um, are, it's become more kind of mainstream. Mm -hmm. And you see... Some of the women that are coming out now, like I said, some of the women that are coming out. I've seen, I've seen Alexia Briss, Alec, uh, I'm sorry, Alexia Nicole mix it up with Holden Albright. Right. And he's a big boy. He's about my size, and I've seen her give him Hurricane Rana. Right. So, I'm basically, I guess, what I'm saying is, if the opportunity ever came up along the line, and you know, there was a guy kind of your body type, your build, and he was like, "Listen, I, I think this would be kind of cool if we if we mix it up. Would you be partial to giving it a shot?" I definitely would. I'm always open to trying new things. The only thing is um, with indie wrestling, especially in Ontario, like there's not that many women wrestlers, like you said. So sometimes you might end up 
wrestling a guy, but I don't want to take spots that could go to girls away from girls. So like, let's say there was a show and they only had, um, they were only going to have one female match, like one match with the female. But now my opponent is a guy. I feel like, you know, one of my fellow women wrestlers maybe could have been in the match with me. So like, I don't really want to take away matches from other girls. So by me accepting male opponents, I might be doing that, but I also might not be doing that. So like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to make sure that if I say, oh, I only want to wrestle guys, I'm, I'm taking away from the girls. And like, with this, you know, the women's evolution and the women's wrestling, like, I, I want to see women get these opportunities as much as they can. But I also think that wrestling people in different sizes, maybe different genders is like as well, um, kind of gives you different experience in the ring. And you, you can learn from that. You can take away from that many things, whatever you can get out of it, you can take. So, I mean, if, if the opportunity presented itself, yeah, sure, I would do it because there's something to take from that. And I'm, I want to learn as much as I can. I can talk to you for hours. You're awesome. All right. So one 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 thing I always like to do at the end of every episode, if you're okay with it, I play a little game. Sure. Little game is called Word Association. Okay, cool. I'm gonna throw out a wrestler. <laughs> okay. And you're just gonna say the first word that pops in your head. Uh-oh. No thinking. You just gotta do it. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, right off the bat. Easy one. Santino Morella. Bad. Okay. <laughs> Alicia Fox. Cool. Tessa Blanchard. Strong. Josh Alexander. Amazing. Now I'm running. Okay, Triple H. Big. <laughs> Mick Foley. Socko. <laughs> she threw out Socko. The Rock. Stone? Okay. Which is just a rock thing got with stone. Yeah. Stone, like rock, stone. rock, stone. I got it. Okay. And finally, The Miz. Awesome. Right. Well, that's it. Bianca, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. And like I said, you're more than welcome to come back anytime. Guys, don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode. As always, I am your host, George McKay. Thank you so much for listening. And we're getting the heck out of here. Peace. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Catch us every Wednesday at 7.30 on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Also, be sure to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling and Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. Wrestling!